How's it going today, my fellow humanoids? You're listening to All on the Field. As always, I am Arthur, joined today, actually, again, unfortunately, to everybody's disappointment by nobody. Um, Kevin is hanging out with his family. He's gone to visit them for the holidays, so he'll be there through Christmas. And we have not gotten our remote recording situation quite ironed out yet. Um, it's something we're working on, and since we're going to be in different places for a couple more weeks through the holidays, um, hopefully we'll have him back next week. But for now, um, you just get me and Kevin's, you know, relaxing, enjoying the warm weather in his location, and uh, enjoying the company of his family. So we are always in support of that, and uh, yeah, it means you're you're stuck with me for a week. Um, the main topics we're going to be talking about today are, uh, you know, I'm sure if you've been paying attention to sports news, you've been very, very aware of them. Uh, they've been all over the headlines, especially even in just the past couple days, and they are COVID-related things. Uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about um, the impact on the NFL season uh, and the NHL season in the Olympics due to um, recent COVID changes and some of the uh, interesting uh, very selective approaches to the rules that have been put in place by various leagues that they are now taking when going ahead and actually applying those rules. Um, so maybe a little uh, backstory for those of you who haven't been paying attention to the news over the past few days. In the NFL, in just the past week, you know, leading up to this previous weekend's matchups, I'm recording this today on December 20th. Monday evening. Um, so yesterday, Sunday, and Saturday, there were NFL games played. Of those games played over the past couple of days, um, some games had to be, had to be, I put in quotes, but were rescheduled due to the egregiously high quantity of players in the league that are now testing positive for COVID. Um, for some context, over the course of the entire season, there have been about 200 players that have tested positive um, for COVID-19 when you consider players coming from you know every team throughout the entire year. Right now, we're in week 16. 16? Week 16, 17? Sorry, I've lost track with bye weeks um, of the season. So, you know, teams have played the vast, vast majority of their games. There's whatever three weeks remaining on most teams' schedules. So, 200 positive tests for players over the course of the season. In this week alone, 51 players in the league are in COVID protocol. And this is happening in a pattern such that there are these giant outbreaks happening inside certain clubs. So, for example, um, one of the games that played today, Monday evening, that would have played on Sunday, was between the Cleveland Browns and the Oakland Raiders. The reason that game had to be rescheduled is because 21 Cleveland Browns players, plus their head coach, tested positive for COVID. Now, many of those players still couldn't play in the game, but the league felt that with that kind of outbreak, it was appropriate to delay the game for a day and you know, lean into their testing protocol to try and get as many people um, verified healthy or you know, into the COVID protocol before the game could be played, and give the team time to call people up from their practice squad. Um, the other games that have been rescheduled will be played tomorrow afternoon and evening. Um, 
Tuesday night football is not a thing that happens in the NFL. NFL is for the vast, vast, vast majority of games, a Sunday, Monday, and Thursday night affair. Um, but tomorrow, there will be a game between the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles, and there will be a game between the Seattle Seahawks and the LA Rams. The reason for the postponement of the Washington football team versus Eagles game is a giant outbreak of players on the Washington football team. On the Washington football team, they have had 17 players test positive for COVID. Um, And then in the other delayed game between the Seahawks and the LA Rams, it is the Rams that have had their outbreak with 25 players in their COVID protocol as of, uh, I think this was 7 p.m. Eastern on Monday evening. Um, Now, for context of why this is a problem, you know, an NFL roster generally carries 53, 54, 55 players through the season. They suit 53 players for the game. But if a team is unable to suit 44 healthy players for the game to travel to the stadium and participate in the affair, then effectively, like the rule is you have to have 44. Um, It's an incomplete roster. I don't know if it's a forfeiture clause or what the actual penalty is, but the game cannot be held with less than 44 players available for a participating club. The reason this has become controversial is because of uh, some communication that the NFL itself published to the member clubs back in July of this year. Um, In July, when the league was setting out their protocols for the 2021 season, and they were outlining um, just how the season would have to be structured given that COVID-19 outbreaks are a possibility, you know, within an organization, within a contact sport, you have people working in the same building. They basically outlined a memo to all the teams um, explaining how they would handle a situation if outbreaks occurred. Um, The full memo is available on NFL.com. If you Google NFL COVID-19 memo, uh, this is one of the top results that pops up. But in short summary, they said that the experience from previous seasons, so we've been in this fucking thing long enough, two years. So their experience from the 2019-2020 season um, basically made the league confident that they could pull off a 2021 season without too many uh, problems and outlined the situations where a game could be rescheduled. The key is that the memo focuses heavily on vaccination as an important uh, characteristic for a team to take advantage of to shield itself against both A, COVID and COVID, you know, affecting the health of players, but B, shield itself from negative repercussions that would occur if an outbreak happened within a team. Um, This memo outlined the original protocols for the season that would be used uh, to test players. Um, They were carryover from the last year, but basically if a vaccinated player tested positive and was asymptomatic, they could be isolated. They do contact tracing. Um, They could return to the team after two negative tests that had to be spaced 24 hours apart. 
And then after that, they'd be in some protocol where they'd be tested every couple of weeks um, just to keep an eye on them. Unvaccinated players uh, would, if, if an unvaccinated player tested positive, they'd have to go into isolation for a period of time and then they could return to play if they were um, asymptomatic after I think 10 days is the window. But this memo also outlined competitive principles for the teams to follow. And the purpose here was to make it so that if a team had an outbreak, that it would not penalize another team that they were going to play. And so it emphasizes that the league is going to try to complete the full 272 game season schedule within the scheduled 18 weeks of play. It emphasizes that they do not anticipate delaying the season and adding a 19th week to accommodate games that couldn't be scheduled. So the NFL season this year under the new collective bargaining agreement, 17 games are played. Every team gets a bye week. So those 17 games are played within an 18 week window. They did not anticipate adding a 19th week to accommodate any problems from COVID and games rescheduling. It has a bullet point emphasizing that every team is obligated under the constitution and bylaws of the league to have its team ready to play at the scheduled time and place. A failure to do so is deemed conduct detrimental, and there is no right to postpone a game. Postponements will only occur if required by government authorities, medical experts, or, this is the important part, at the commissioner's discretion. So they gave themselves a bit of a loophole that if Roger Goodell thought it appropriate to postpone something, they could. The reason this is important is that the postponements that happened this week are definitely detrimental to the teams that did not have the COVID outbreaks that caused the postponements. Um, you know, Cleveland had an outbreak in their team, 21 players plus their head coach testing positive or whatever, going into the COVID protocol. And that is disadvantageous for the Oakland Raiders who are going to play them, who were prepared to travel to play them on Sunday, who maybe had friends and family or fans or any other people who were going to go to a Sunday football game and were unable to. Similarly, for the Washington football team and uh, Philadelphia Eagles game, and to me personally, bothersome, uh, definitely Homer here, uh, to the Seahawks. The Seahawks were going to play the Rams. The Rams had, what was it, 25 players in COVID protocols. At the time when the game was announced to be postponed, the Seahawks had two they had two players. They had Tyler Lockett and uh, DJ Dallas. Uh, no, sorry, it was Alex Collins, a running back, who both were in the COVID testing protocol. Um, the league decided to suspend the game. And since the league has decided to suspend that game and hold it on Tuesday night instead of Sunday afternoon, more Seahawks players have tested positive and entered the protocol. And many of the LA Rams players that were in the protocol have hit their required negative tests and are back to action. And so there's a lot of frustration brewing that this is giving a competitive advantage to the Rams. Um, the, the more that's, that's me being a Seahawks fan and being irritated at the situation. So, um, you know, you'll forgive me for that, for that, uh, sin of caring too much about my team, but on a broader scale, um, the problem here is that when the league laid out the guidelines that would allow them to postpone a game, 
it's clear that they never anticipated the possibility of an outbreak um or maybe never never anticipated it strong but they didn't think it was probable that an outbreak would occur amongst unvaccinated players so many of the bullet points in this memo specifically highlight that if an outbreak happens among unvaccinated or sorry using the word is non-vaccinated players or staff then the burden of the cancellation falls like on the shoulders of the team experiencing the covid infection um, and they're basically saying that if you do not have your team vaccinated and your club culture has not been strong enough to encourage your players to you know trust the um, expertise of the club medical professionals in this area when players trust team doctors in every other area of their lives um if you're if you can't convince your players to use their brains and uh get vaccinated then you're going to be penalized if something has to be rescheduled and it comes back and you know that's going to come back and bite you but they said that if a game is rescheduled due to covid outbreaks amongst vaccinated players that basically the league would do everything in its power to make it so that this wouldn't be you know a financially or competitively injurious situation to either team that would be facing each other um and so it does tend to highlight this idea that um you know the nfl really considers the consequences of this to really only be consequences levied against unvaccinated individuals um the sort of dovetails with the messaging that um the biden presidential administration has been putting out this week relating to covid um that has received some pushback where basically you know president biden gave um some statements where he said that you know the next few months are going to be very very difficult for unvaccinated populations of people which is probably true um you know all the data right now is suggesting that by and large the you know mortality rate for covid the infection rate the ways in which covid can seriously um negatively impact somebody's life those larger consequences are happening with people that are not vaccinated but it's fair to point out that i don't know trying to ignore the non-vaccinated is not really a fair strategy you know as of speaking right now us in the us are at what 61% vaccination rate or something like that it's kind of a um embarrassingly low number and you know though the population of people in this country who can't get vaccinated for a medical reason is incredibly incredibly small um it is important for the health of those unprotected individuals that everybody takes this thing really seriously so the nfl having this approach from months and months ago that very much is like whatever get vaccinated and we're not going to penalize you and if you're unvaccinated like whatever we're going to charge you the money if this happens but we're not too particularly worried about it well it's coming back to bite them in the ass right now um because teams that are at 100% or very close vaccination rate 
are having outbreaks. You know, I mentioned that the Seahawks are now having players go down, go into the COVID protocol on Sunday afternoon and Monday for this Tuesday game. Um, the Seahawks have every player fully vaccinated except for one. Um, I don't know who that is. They haven't disclosed who that is. But, you know, at a club that has 55 players plus a dozen guys on the practice squad, you know, 67 dudes and 66 of them are vaccinated, that's pretty darn good. But in a single week to have eight of those guys go into the COVID protocol over like a three or four day window, it's indicative of the fact that this continues to be everybody's problem. Um, and so this mindset that these sports leagues, and I think a lot of individual people have of letting our guard down, I got my vaccine, I did my part, return to life as normal. Um, if sports leagues and normal humans, you, me, uh, let our guard down and act dumb over especially the holidays and people are traveling and people are crowding indoors more than spending time outside as it gets cold. Um, yeah, we're going to get hosed by this thing. So, um, maybe take a bit of wisdom from the situation. Uh, if teams that have hundreds of millions of dollars of financial incentive, billions and billions of dollars around the league, financial incentive to keep this thing on track in a culture where money is everything. If these organizations can't keep their players healthy, uh, I don't think there's anything to suggest that it's going to be any easier for anybody else, right? So, you know, be safe, take care of your families over the holidays. And uh, yeah, you know, hopefully from the perspective of being able to enjoy fun things, the NFL can uh, get everybody healthy and maybe enact some new protocols that will keep things safe, but we will see. Um, so on a similar note of fun things that are being postponed, paused, canceled, take your pick of words, um, the NHL, the NHL has a few hours ago today announced that they will be putting a pause on the season Wednesday and just pressing pause, holding and resuming after um, Christmas, after the Christmas break. Uh, so I believe that they will shut down on the 23rd, 22nd, and they will not resume play until the 26th. Um, this is, again, another league that is having massive, massive COVID problems. Um, as of tonight, Monday night, um, so if you're listening to this on Tuesday or later, this is Monday the 20th, more than 15% of the league's players are in COVID protocol. Now, that doesn't mean that all of those players have tested positive. They've either tested positive or were close contacts or had another reason they had to enter the protocol. But that's a significant, that's insane. 15% of the league's players. Um, the NHL has closed the border to, uh, you know, the NHL has teams in Canada and the United States prior to this in the past few days, they have not been holding, um, international games. So teams from the U S have not been traveling to Canada. Teams from Canada have not been traveling to the United States. Um, and yeah, they're putting, putting the kibosh on this for the next few days to regroup, figure out what's up. 
um, and then resume on the 27th, hopefully. Now, hockey is a unique situation. You know, with football, the players are outside in a fully open air environment, and that's great. With hockey, um, there's a weird situation, and I don't believe there's been a scientific study to demonstrate this, but the, you know, epidemiological expert opinion is that an ice skating rink provides an environment where even though you have the illusion of an open air space because you have a giant vaulted ceiling in a stadium or whatever in an arena um the air at ice level is very cold and the air above that is warm because if you have 20,000 people in an arena and you're just trying to refrigerate the surface of the ice to keep it cold um Unlike going outside in the real world where the temperature gets colder as you go up in elevation, you get like an inversion in the hockey rink. And basically it means that the air on the ice doesn't rise up, you know, above the rink very far. And so players are more likely to be breathing, you know, air that other players have been breathing because you just sort of get this low hanging air that settles over the ice. And so it's much easier for infection to spread than it is, for example, if you're playing on a 120-yard long you know, sports field outside. Um, so you know, that's a unique situation for the NHL. So I think that uh, plays into something that I am personally very saddened by, and that is NHL participation at the 2022 Beijing Olympic Games. Now, a couple of weeks ago on the pod, we talked about how um, you know, in sort of the closing statements, I talked about how the 2022 games might be a little bit difficult to enjoy from a handful of perspectives, given the political situation in China. Um, currently, there are many countries that are doing a diplomatic boycott of those 2022 Olympic Games taking place in February. Um, so a bunch of um, Western countries will not be sending any sort of political diplomats or political delegations to the games. Um, Athletes will still be able to play, but the United States, for example, um, and China has made a, a fuss about this. They're very frustrated with Australia, particularly for this uh, boycott, or sorry, this diplomatic boycott. But NHL at the 2022 Olympics is something I was actually really, really looking forward to. Um, for those not familiar, you know, there's always this tension with the Olympics with uh, professional athletes participating in what historically was amateur sport. And oftentimes that professional participation sort of ruins a given event in a lot of ways. Um, the key example that I think of of that is basketball at the Olympics. Um, the United States just dominate Olympic basketball. I think that we've won the gold medal uh, like, I don't know, Every year for the past 30 years, except for I think 2004, we did not. And that was a very, that was a massive disappointment. Um, but hockey at the Olympics is a different story. Um, since 1998, when there's been this agreement for NHL pros to play at the Olympics, there have been a bunch of dominant teams that have competed in the tournament. You know, they do seeding rounds. And then these are the teams that have come in the top, you know, four, five, six. Um, over the past uh, 20 years, between 98 and 2014. Um, and so that's Canada, uh, the Czech Republic, uh, Finland, um, 
Russia, Switzerland, the US, Sweden. I think that's all the teams that have been really strong participants in that window. And obviously, that's not every country on the planet. Not every country sends a team to the Olympics. But that's a big swath of nations that you know would have this dominant sport. It makes for a good tournament. And it's really, really fun to see um, household names that you recognize if you watch NHL hockey playing and representing their country, taking it very seriously with a slightly modified um, international rule set that makes it so that these teams that don't have like giant hulking American and Canadian players can be really competitive and oftentimes win. Um, Canada has been, you know, over the past 20 years, the most successful team, but a bunch of other teams have gotten medals and done very, very well in the tournament. Um, between 98 and 2014, there was this agreement between um, the NHL, the NHL Players Association, the IOC, and the International Ice Hockey Federation that allowed NHL pros to basically put the NHL season on pause when there's an Olympic cycle and go participate in the Winter Olympic Games. Uh, and that's been really, really cool for this window of time. Now, for the 2018 games that happened in South Korea, um, there were not NHL pros at those games. The agreement between those parties expired, and so it was amateur players at the games. And personally, I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as much. Um, you know, the regular NHL season was happening overlapping with the Olympics. The NHL season just continued here in North America. And so you're constantly aware of the fact that you're watching these Olympic games and it's supposed to be the best athletes representing their countries at the Olympics. And you know it's not because you can change the channel and go watch the Blackhawks on, you know, play a random, you know, Thursday night game or whatever. So going into 2022, um, those various parties had reestablished an agreement that would allow NHL players again to go participate in the Olympics. And I was really excited for it. It was going to be fun to have it back. And hopefully it would lead to this, you know, going forward. But Unfortunately, with all these COVID outbreaks happening right now, it looks like that uh, situation is not going to happen. When the NHL and the Players Association made this agreement with the IOC to send pros to the games, they put a clause into the agreement that if they wanted to opt out prior to January 10th, they could. And with the NHL, having the suspension to their season here in North America right now and uh, suspending cross-border travel between the United States and Canada, the discourse over the past few days really makes it seem like the NHL is not going to be sending pros to the Olympics. They are probably going to opt out. Um, I imagine that the you know hockey organizations, hockey federations for these various countries are going to scramble to get you know elite amateurs, college players, uh, international players to partake in the games. And, um, you know, hopefully it makes for a good tournament, but it is a disappointment uh, personally to me. And I think to most people who are fans of sports, um, you know, it should be. The Olympics and all of these big sporting events are best when you can really just focus on one big thing. And so if the NHL season is happening here in the United States, and we know that hockey can be played by these athletes. Um, it's going to be sort of a heartbreaker to see them not doing that um, internationally representing uh, 
you know, representing their country. It's always cool to see that. Um, and with that, those are the two things I wanted to talk about today. Both COVID-focused stories. The moral of the story today is please, please, please be safe over the holidays. Um, if you're traveling, take every precaution you can. Uh, you know, it's a little bit too late right now to be saying go get your booster shot if you haven't, but maybe have those conversations with your friends and family about encouraging them to take care of their own health going into the new year. Um, it very much looks like whether vaccinated or not, things are not particularly safe and things are probably going to get worse before they get better. Um, so encourage strongly and with social force, uh, get your people to trust some experts in these fields where they have not been schooled their entire lives. Um, if you got aunt June, who's always posting shit to Facebook and she gets a little bit rowdy at the table and starts popping off, uh, you know, be a grown up. tell aunt June to lovingly be quiet and listen to somebody who knows better. Um, and yeah, hopefully we will have Kevin back for next week's episode. We will figure out our remote recording situation. Uh, you can follow the podcast on various social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at AOTF pod. You can follow me on Twitter at King Arthur HS. You can follow Kevin, despite the fact that he's not here, on Twitter at K2 underscore Rocky. Um, and share the podcast with your friends and your foes and whoever. Uh, if you feel so inclined, Spotify has just opened podcast reviews. So if you'd like to leave us a review on Spotify, that would be wonderfully, wonderfully appreciated. And uh, yeah, have a, a Merry Christmas and uh, a Happy Kwanzaa if you celebrate either of those holidays. And we will talk to you shortly thereafter. So stay safe out there, guys. Have fun. Peace.